This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer Todd Zuckerman. Todd is one of those players that needs little to no introduction, especially within the drumming community for our non-drummy friends and those who've been living under a rock for the last quarter of a century. Todd is one of the most in-demand drummers on the planet. In addition to a 20-plus year tenure with the legendary rock band Styx, Todd is a leading clinician and session artist. In 2018, the readers of Modern Drummer magazine named him number one progressive rock drummer, as well as number one recorded performance for The Mission, Styx's 2017 studio album. His Methods and Mechanics instructional DVD series has won multiple awards. Todd's live performance as well as session credits are so numerous that it would leave very little time for our interview. Links to his website can be found in our show notes. As always, you can find us at workingdrummer.net to find out more information about this episode and all the episodes that we've done so far in the last three and a half years. Subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us now on YouTube. We are slowly building our library of past episodes. If you've noticed in recent episodes, we've slightly changed our intro when we've got a new announcer. That's my good buddy, Mickey Ryan. Big shout out and thanks to him for helping us make some uh, new changes to our intro. We'd like to carve out a few seconds to share a review that we got. It's, uh, it's a couple years old, but it's on iTunes from Bibrosa. They write, Valuable, no, really. Solid interviews with knowledgeable players. A good podcast is based on passion, knowledge, an interesting Rolodex, and an ability to get people to talk. The crew at Working Drummer brings this to the table. There are hundreds of skilled drummers out there. Working Drummer provides us with an introduction to these players. Priceless. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Bibrosa. Again, like I mentioned, this is a couple years old, but um, we're trying to encourage everyone to add these comments. We're happy to do a shout out and read the comments that y'all post on here. It really helps us grow and it gets the word out. So thanks again for that. If you use the hashtag Working Drummer, we'll include you on Instagram and our stories. If you want to support what Zach and I are doing here at the Working Drummer podcast, there's a couple ways that you can do that. On the homepage of our website, workingdrummer.net, you can find a button for PayPal. There's also a button that is a link to our Patreon page. Patreon is an easy and convenient way to support the podcast on a regular basis. Donations start at a dollar and you have access to the bonus material that we're providing on a monthly basis from past guests. As always, any donation in any amount is greatly appreciated. So here you go, the man, the myth, the legend, Todd Sukerman. I super appreciate it. Um, I think it's hilarious that, you know, dude, I'm Todd Sukerman. I, I play with sticks. No, you have to get out of the hotel room now. You know, we're... we're... It, <laughs> it, it's, actually, it's not like that. Okay. That's, that's, that's not how it, how it is. It, it's, there's new laws in effect that... Um, Drivers have to have X amount of rest, and once the bus starts, yeah, 
times begins then and it doesn't matter that they're just driving us to the gig and then parking for a, another six or seven hours. Gotcha. That's, that's when the time starts. So it's a sort of a new world insofar as the amount of re- relaxation that we can get uh, predicated on, on, on that. I mean, you know, the, the law is um, was set in effect to keep drivers, you know, safe from right. dri- from driving too long, uh, falling asleep at the wheel. So it comes from a good place. But yeah, what 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 it doesn't take into account is like what, once that bus is turned on and the wheels are, are moving. That's when the time starts. Yeah. So there, there are gigs where we, we, we get out of the gig early. There are times where the, the bus drops us off at the hotel and then the bus has to go to the gig no matter how far. And then the driver has to get a hotel near there or a, a Lyft or an Uber or taxi back to the hotel. We take private transport to the gig, you know what I mean? It's a whole thing that's in, in, in place now. Um, right, right. That, that, that is in consideration from day to day. Gotcha, gotcha. It's a great story. You want me to tell it again? <laughs> no, it, it's, no, it's, there's realities that we like to share with people. You know, and, and of course, when you told me that it's like, hey, listen, I've, we've got to get out of the hotel, I was thinking, you know, a lot of times when you're on the road and you're like, okay, we just got, we got in, uh, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning and, you know, like, hey, checkout is at 11. Can we please get a late checkout? And I was thinking that's what was happening yesterday. And I'm like, okay, this is reality. This is kind of a scenario. But you, what, what you were saying, this is different. This is, but this is still reality. This is still important to understand. Yeah. You, you, you didn't, you didn't concoct a law in your head that had to do with, uh, with, with, with overrides and, um, and overtime driving. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I'm not that creative, man. But I did have a funny story of like when I was on the road and the, we decided to stay in and they, they tried to kick us out and the guitar player I was rooming with decided to shave his head th- that morning. And so when the manager came in, he and I were standing in our underwear with shaving cream on his head. That story doesn't apply in this scenario. So, Todd, you're really, you know, you hijacked my interview. So I'm going to have to let you go, man. <laughs> well, you know, it- the manager goes in there, what's going on in here? And you just say, none of your damn business. <laughs> Can we stay an extra hour? Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Just don't call the cops. Um, hey, quick housekeeping. Please pronounce your last name for us. Suckerman. Sook uh-huh. like book. Sook like book. Gotcha. Uh, for the record, you are probably, and please take this as a compliment, you are probably one of the most challenging guests I've prepared for. There is so much information out there about you and stuff that you shared and made accessible for those of us, uh, for everyone that's interested in what you do, that uh, as a podcast interviewer, I'm going, okay, what can I cover that hasn't, what can I ask that hasn't already been covered? You make yourself so accessible and uh on behalf of the drumming community i thank you so much for that um it does make my job a little bit harder but i i'm excited about uh our conversation today well thanks for that matt yeah. I, I i get notes from people that say i just discovered you um just uh on, almost on a daily basis so so maybe there's not enough information out there maybe we can try to fill that void 
Well, I, I, I think it's true. I think there's so much information from everywhere that, um, yeah, I think there are people that discover uh, things that you're like, you don't know about this. And, and uh, so hopefully uh, that, that gives us this opportunity to shine. I, I like puppies. I like puppies and kittens and long walks on the beach. Great. Uh, things, things, things of uh, that nature. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I don't know where to go from there. Um, I do. <laughs> um, all right. So you've got, this is the last date of, uh, of a run that you have. Is this correct? Yes. We've, we've just done, uh, t- today uh, will be 15 shows in 18 days. Wow. And you were in Michigan the last couple of shows. You were in Grand Rapids last night. Uh, mm-hmm. Where are you tonight? Uh, Washington, Missouri, sort of, I guess, suburban St. Louis. Okay. I, I, I know that because I'm flying out of the St. Louis airport tomorrow morning. Gotcha. So that, that's, that's my, my point of reference. Gotcha. Um, I know you're excited to get back home, uh, and see your daughter and your wife. Um, mm-hmm. is there any, uh, anything planned during this time off from Sticks? Uh, yes, I'm going to see my uh, colonoscopy, colonoscopy consult. <laughs> okay, <laughs> real talk, huh? Um, Again, realities, man. Realities. Yeah, that my, my my daughter starts her first day of uh, pre-K, and I'm happy that I'm I'm there to do that. We had a, had her in a private school for for two years, and uh, so now she starts public school. So I'm I'm glad that I get to be there for the drop off. Don't get those two things mixed up. Colonoscopy yeah. is one place. School. I'm going to double check my calendar just to make sure. <laughs> no, it, this is the consult. It's not even the procedure. I'm not even going to have the procedure till like September. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like you know, you got to go see a doctor now before. Like, you know, just can't. Can we get this over with? No, I, we got to talk about it for a while before we can. Then we then we plan a date together and take our relationship to the next level. Yeah, ask the doctor to buy you dinner first. Yes, I, I I will only let him do that to me on a second date. Okay. <laughs> Um, recording projects, <laughs> um, master classes, anything like that coming up during that time? Oh goodness, yes. Um, I have a whole. Well, I'm I'm sort of working on three records uh, that I'm trying to fit in when I'm going to do them. Um, but I also have a, a, a live master class list coming up that includes uh, a clinic and. A masterclass in Vancouver on August 27th, Seattle on August 28th, Omaha, Nebraska on September 7th, Marietta, Georgia on September 9th, Zurich, Switzerland at the uh, Drum Festival Switzerland on nice. September 15th, a masterclass the next day uh, there as well, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, Lexington, Kentucky, Hollywood, Florida, Philadelphia, PA, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Long Island, New York, Buffalo, New York, and Chicago. Uh, and that and it concludes the list for uh, 2019. Wow, that's amazing, man! Uh, you did mention you're like, look, let's if we can make today happen, that'll be great. Otherwise, January of 20 something <laughs> is probably not going to be. It's going to be the next available time. It, it, it's it's kind of that way. It's kind of nuts. I just I, I was going to do the Seth Meyers show again in October, and I just had to pull out because there's I I, I have no time. I got to get to a couple of records. Um, and, you know, it seems crazy to, you know, 
pull yourself off of a national TV scenario. But like I know that I could, you know, hopefully do that some free week in February or something next year. Um, but I have, you know, some pressing things that uh, I must get to. And it's, you know, it's a good thing to be um, this busy. It, it, right. I hear you. It, it, I had this kind of set aside for a later time. But while you're kind of on the masterclass thing... You were here in Nashville not too long ago at Drum Paradise doing a master class, and that's that's when I was talking to Harry McCarthy about trying to connect with you, and that's kind of the impetus of our where this interview got started. But um, what is it that you cover in your master classes? Well, there, there are several things. I mean, if I if I if I if I told you all of them, you'd have no need to come to the class. <laughs> would, uh, still, though, but the, it's as I've. Um, like to think I've improved and have gained more experience on this instrument in you know 48 years of, of playing the drums. Uh, relaxation is so much the key to uh, everything: mental relaxation and physical relaxation. So there's certain elements that uh, a lot of people screw themselves up with: clouding their their judgment, clouding uh, their thought process with fear and anxiety that keeps them from connecting with the true power of music and thus never becoming your authentic self and who you are supposed to be on this instrument. And it's very, very simple. There's some techniques that, you know, the audience is always on your side and it sounds nice and it sounds trite uh, and cliche, but, but it's true. And I go through a process with everyone in the room that, that proves this. Um, through their own fear. Uh, and then once we've kind of talked about some different mental relaxation techniques and, and how and kind of showing them what reality is when you play the instrument, um, then we deal with the physical relaxation. Because I've found in, in my teaching, since I've been teaching privately more and taking part in, in drum camps like, you know, drum fantasy camp. And, you know, I did, did uh, a couple in Europe. It doesn't matter where you are, Prague, Nashville, Tulsa, Orange County. It doesn't matter where you are. It, 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 90 to 95% of drummers are, are doing things with their physicality, with their grip that are keeping them from ever busting on to the next level. Um, they're doing things to keeping them from ever being able to play a fast three-note uh, ride cymbal pattern, whether it's swing time, you know, jazz beat, or you know, one and two and or one and a two and a three, yeah. or fast sixteenth notes on the hi hat, because they've played a certain way that was either directed to them by a junior high band director who was a clarinet player. Or they got caught up in the drumline thing, and that's fine for drumline, but that style of technique is non-applicable on the drum set. Mm -hmm. It's non-applicable. Just like you have Segovia on a nylon string acoustic guitar, and you have Slash on a black Les Paul. There's six strings, but the technique to do what the, each is doing are, are different. Right. Uh, or they were self-taught. And you picked up a pair of sticks and you nestle the stick in that big second knuckle on your first finger and you're off to the races, never being able to achieve your dreams. Yeah. So, so in, in, in short, 
drummers have always been my favorite people. They've always been my best friends from the time I was, you know, a little kid till now. And your drum friends, if you're lucky to have um, a few close lifelong drum friends, they're they're in a category of very special friends. Yeah. And so this is sort of my uh, crusade to help my drumming brothers and sisters get on the right track. Because if you can change your grip, you will change your life. If you change your grip and you have a relaxed grip with a space between your thumb and, and first finger, that is the keys to the universe to now being able to achieve in time everything that you've wanted to achieve and never been able to. And then if you couple that with being relaxed in your mind and not putting up your own roadblocks, then you're on your way to being who you're supposed to be on this instrument. And, and that's what I, I like to help people do. And that's why, you know, the master classes are, are only held to 20 people. Um, and it's a, um, intimate learning experience, you know, and any more, any more than that, then now you're in the realm of a clinic, which is a different thing. A clinic is, is part performance, uh, part, uh, talking about the gear because they're the ones that paid to, to you to be there. Yeah. So, you know, you got to talk about the drums and the cymbals and the sticks and whoever your sponsors are. And then there's a bit of education because clinic has a, a, a educational connotation. This master class is all information, uh, inspiration and um, correct information to, to help the, the drummers get on a new path uh, to recharge their playing life. I love it. And I feel like a lot of times when you're on the gig and you see a drummer friend come in, I feel this tension that just kind of starts to inhabit my body, my shoulders, my arms. And I'm like, oh, shit, there's that, there's my friend and he's watching me. And and so tension then begins to embody me. And I feel that instantly in my playing. I hear it in my the tone of my snare drum. Uh, and I'm, I'm just thinking that with the master class, to get people up and playing in front of their peers, in front of you, is like the best case scenario for, okay, this is tension and fear right here. I imagine that, that it's like, okay, I, to, for me to get up in front of a small mm. class of drummers, I, I know that, it, that my shoulders would be high, I'd be tense. So to have you there to address that, you know, but that that's that's part of the lesson because mm -hmm. you know when when I'll, I'll say so who's nervous <laughs> when 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 they played and you know almost everybody raises their hand. There's the occasional tough guy that doesn't, but <laughs> everybody is. And then I go through a litany of reasons why they 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 weren't noticed. And with each one, you see the realizations of just um. F can I swear on this show? Oh, totally. Yes. Just fucking truth hitting them in the face like soupy sales hitting them in the face with a, a cream pie. Mm -hmm. And that that's one of the most fun parts to me because they've never, they've never thought of, of the, these concepts of, of why they should never be nervous. Uh, whenever you sit behind a set of drums, whether you're in front of one person or 20,000 person or how intimate the, the club. And, and I'll tell you one of the things that I, I cite is, uh, Peter Erskine's book, which is brilliant and is sort of a must read for, for drummers. It's, it's Peter's book is called No Beethoven. And it's framed in the uh, context of his time with Weather Report, but it's really his autobiography. And he uh, tells a story about 
being in Europe for a jazz festival and, and playing with a quartet in like a basement cobblestone beer skeller type uh, jazz venue. And uh, down the stairs walks Jeff Tain Watts, and I think I think it was Branford Marcellus, and 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 Jeff sidled up right next to Peter, and Branford sat down from the sax player. And I'm I'm paraphrasing Peter here from coming from his first person. He says, "Normally, I would be uh, intimidated with a player of that stature and caliber sitting right in front of me, but instead, I thought, how nice." how lovely that he's here. He could be anywhere. He could be out uh, strolling through town shopping. He could be in a, sitting in a cafe somewhere. He could be back at the hotel taking a nap. But instead, he's here giving me his positive energy. How nice. Yeah. And then P- Peter said, conversely, the sax player was spinning into the seventh layer of hell. And it re- <laughs> his, read, his read wasn't right. The lights were, were screwing up his, his music stand. He couldn't read the music. And his monitors were honky. And, and Peter thought, interesting. We're both having the same experience. But how we're dealing with it physically is 100% affecting the outcome. It's affecting the reality of what's happening. And that's some of the stuff that I like to talk about in my master classes. That sounds like that sounds like Peter so much so. How nice, how lovely. Yeah, right? <laughs> He's great. Uh, you mentioned that book in another interview, and uh, I have not read it. I'm excited to check that out for sure. Yeah, there's, there's, there's not only does he write as eloquently as he plays the drums, uh, there's great stories and just pearls of wisdom, and and there's a couple things I was I was moved to tears about. So it's it's a it's a phenomenal phenomenal book. Matter of fact, boy, that was the last time I saw Peter a couple of years ago. I I, I, I told him I, I thought I loved his book so much, and I just finished it uh, right when I saw him. So I was all you know still full of fire, um, and I thought, what's what's the best compliment I could I could. I, I could give him, you know, from, from the heart. And I, and I, it just, I just blurted out. I said, I, w- I wish you could have another life so I could read about that one too. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And he said, security, this yes, guy over he, here. I, I have to go over here now. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. I, I feel like there's philosophy that sometimes is as essential in the growth of you as a player at different stages of, of your development or different stages of your life that are just as helpful as sitting down at the practice pad with stick control? Well, that, that's the case with, with anything, no matter what, what you do in life. If, if, you, if you care for it and it's a craft and you want to do it well, whether you're a, a, you know, a painter or a, a, a surgeon, um, you know, an architect, there's always things to to be learned, and always you know uh, aha moments. No matter where you are in your journey, or where you think you might be in your journey, there's always going to be you know if if the right way happens to you, there's always going to be moments. That that's why certain players sound one way at at at, at 24, and they sound another at 50, and they might sound another at at, at 68, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with age or the ailment of the human body it's 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 the concepts that you acquire along the way will change the way that you paint so to speak 
I, I believe that very much so. I, I feel like there's just concepts that when you are presented with those concepts and you, you can apply those instantly. Case in point, I wanted to talk to you about touch and tone, and you've, you've already naturally gone that direction. In some of the interviews and some of the other things that you have done, you've talked about touch. You've talked about relaxation. The sound that you get the feeling that you get, the things that you're able to achieve just through relaxation. And just without just being able to apply that concept on the gig, for me, this week, I've noticed differences. My ability to play 16th notes with my right hand on a certain song that from night to night sometimes can be a struggle at certain uh, beats per minute. That has made a difference. Opening my snare drum... So my point is, sometimes these concepts and these ideas, they improve your playing right away. Absolutely. Um, And it will only get better with more applied practice and more applied, man, that was weekend number two. I went to the gig and I I did a four and a half hour gig and I felt like I could play a whole other gig or, or, you know, another set. Um, yeah. And this has nothing to do, by the way, for any younger listeners out there, with playing with less energy or playing softer. Don't 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 get those mixed up. Mm-hmm. There's a relaxation in your muscles, certain ways that you can hold your body where your arms aren't tense. There's certain ways guys play where they're holding the weight of their arms out in front of them or off to their sides. Now all their muscles from from the elbow up and their biceps are tense, and now you're doing something physical. Or your snare drum is so low, it's between your knees and you're hitting, you know, your thigh practically with, with backbeats. And then you're, you're lifting up from, you know, your collarbones and your, and your muscles to the other areas of the drum set. So this, this, this has nothing to do with, like, becoming more of a pussy on the drums. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's, it's becoming smarter on the drums, more ergonomic uh, on the drums. Because um, I'll play just as hard, but I don't play as hard for as long because I know that the – now I'm I'm uh, trading a better sound on the drums for showbiz, and I can do that for moments, but I don't want to live there because drums and cymbals are only going to get so loud, and, and and if you strike a drum louder than it needs to be struck, now you're just creating a sound pressure moment, and and, and the mics are are reading different information, and you can easily turn 19 and 20 inch crash cymbals into splashes by beating the shit out of them every single time. Mm-hmm. But if, if you, if you hit them with glancing blows, let the mics do a little bit of work. Now, now you're going to get a crash sound that's going to go over the bar line. Right. Gee, and what, how's that, how, how do you get a crash cymbal sound like, you don't strike it with all your mics straight down into it. Yeah. That's how. Right. And I have so many friends here in town and, and myself as well that like there's work in town, but you're playing three and four hours straight. And these things, I think, when applied, uh, allow you to do these gigs, like you say, and 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 like f- feel fine because there's, it's so physical what we do. No, that, that that's some some of the best feedback. Uh, I I've, I've or some of my favorite feedback is 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 hearing stuff like that, or or someone writing me saying their uh, tendonitis went away, or their carpal tunnel, wow. or tennis elbow, whatever it is, the the thing that that's been there. Uh, you know Achilles' heel, so to speak, for 
you know, the last number of years of their life has disappeared, you know, and that, that's the, you know, that's the proof in the pudding that makes me feel like, okay, my efforts are worthwhile. I changed a guy's life because he can go out and play and he's not going to see surgeons to get caught up in all this stuff. You know, he just, oh, you know, I'm playing relax now. Thank you. Because <laughs> when, when, when you are holding your stick the wrong way, which again, 90 to 95% people in my findings worldwide do. Now all your muscles are tight from your hand to your wrist up into your, your forearm, up into your elbow, and, and sometimes beyond all the way up into your neck. Now you're doing something physical over and over and over and over again for hours, for weeks, for months, for years. And now you're absorbing all that shock into your body. Well, no shit you got tennis elbow. No right. shit it hurts when you play – you're like – or I can't play uh, certain figures or patterns above a certain tempo. Well, you can't throw a, a major league fastball with your arm completely tense and rigid. How does a pitcher throw? You ever see a, 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 a pitcher pitch a ball in slow motion? Mm -hmm. Look how all the muscles are loose and the arm bends back. That is the only physical way that you can do it. And yet my drummer brothers and sisters all over the world are screwing themselves up to the high degree. You know, so w w if you've ever seen Elvin Jones or Tony Williams or any jazz drummer or any really quality drummer, like not, you know, someone who's aligned themselves with physics, not just your favorite guy. But yeah. when, when you, you see a guy who like this guy knows how to fucking play the drums, there's only one way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to teach people. In relation to this topic, is there anything about your setup snare angle, seat height, other things like that, that you've discovered aid in keeping this an important part of your playing? Yeah, I, I'd like to think so. I mean, it's everybody's physicality is different. You know, I'm 5'7". I'm, I'm not a tall guy. You know, my arms and legs are the length that they are. And you could have a 5'7 player that has different size torso or, you know, arms and legs. I mean, it's what's more organic than you know the human condition um but for me i found that if i raise my snare drum up and and granted it, it might be a little higher than someone who plays 100 percent match grip um but if i were to lay the stick on top of the snare drum and then have the butt end come and touch my body it would be just above my belly button mm -hmm. and the reason that i have the snare at that height is my forearm for backbeats is at like basically parallel to the ground gotcha and if i were to try to break a board in half with a karate chop that board would be right there where i have the snare drum not anywhere below that because now you're past the point of maximum impact so I have both my shoulders down or relaxed and it's just bam, 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 right into that karate board. <laughs> I yeah, don't know what they're called. Sure. We'll call it karate board. That's, that sounds, uh, that sounds good. Um, that sounds official. <laughs> so you know, it's right into that karate board. So whether I'm playing match grip or traditional grip, which basically the line is kind of the same if you're doing it right, uh, I can't miss. So I'm another baseball analogy. I'm I'm hitting a line drive single right over the pitcher's head in the center field every time. Bam, bam, bam. 
can't miss, can't lose, no sound replacing in the studio because every hit is consistent and perfect and right where I want it to be. And then I don't have, because my snare drum is raised up and again, my shoulders are down, I'm relaxed, my arms are in close to my side, I'm not holding my right arm out over my snare drum to play the hi-hat. I want little Tyrannosaurus Rex arms in really close to me as I'm playing the hi-hat and snare because then all the muscles down from, from my neck, shoulder, biceps, you know, those are all loose. And now to go to my toms and cymbals, they're outward punching motions. Mm. Or like backhand, backhand slaps out, which I can do all friggin' day. I can I can play an eight-hour gig like that. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to lifting everything, all of my arm, the weight of my arms from the snare drum, which is net down between my legs, mm-hmm. up to other points of the, of the the drum set. Yeah. No wonder the three-hour gigs are killing you. Yeah. No wonder why you're sore and you need a massage all the time. It, it, it's it. Those are some of the ergonomics that are you know have, have helped me. Um, and I, you know, I try to, to preach to others and, you know, others will, others will, or others won't, they do or they don't, they will or they won't, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, there's, 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 there's two kinds of people that, you know, they, they can come to a master class or watch a DVD and, and sit and eat a bag of Doritos or they, they will, they will put the new information to work. And those that, that, that do will we reap the rewards or you can just go, Oh, I, I was entertained for a night and that's cool, I guess, but you did, you didn't learn anything. That, that's a That's applicable. Yeah. I, I, I hear a, a, a Dr. Seuss drum instructional book in your future. Do or they don't, will or they won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, you know, there's, there's an untapped market there, you know, it, it might be a niche audience, but I'm just, you know, just ideas. Uh, there's there's so much great video footage of you out there that I just I feel like you're practicing what you preach. So uh, when you're explaining this stuff to me, I envision it in my head. I'm I'm remembering seeing you do that, and the way you move around such a huge kit. I'm thinking, okay, my four or five piece kit that I play. I can do that. <laughs> well, you know, the, the funny thing is it, it's, it's, it's not a huge kit. It looks like a lot, but when you mm-hmm. sit behind it, mm-hmm. it, it's so compact Yeah, and, and, and makes sense that even though there's a lot of stuff and when, you know, various people I know are friends or, you know, people from the, you know, different instrument companies, whatever, you know, come and I show them the kit and they oh, sit down, they sit down and, you know, it's kind of like a kid in a candy store, but then the, they look and they're like, ah, I get it. Everything's yeah. right here. It's like you're sitting in a cockpit of an airplane. Everything's right here. And and I'm like, yeah, there you go. You 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 just got it. They sound so, amazing too, man. Gosh, they sound so good. Yeah, no, thank you. It's so fun to watch you play, and there's these things that you do around the kit, and I, I, I'm wondering, it's like, how much of that is planned? How much of that is, uh, you're just, you're improvising, you're playing a certain lick and different things like that, but it, 
it, it inspired me to ask this question. So many of us, and I'm going to use myself as an example because I am so guilty of this, working on some sort of lick on something around the kit between hands and feet or something. I'm like, this is cool, this is cool, but not knowing how to use it in a musical way, use it on the gig, use it on the session, when you're in the middle of the song, unless I take time to like really work it out and have it planned, a la Neil Peart, just have that. But I want to be able to like insert these ideas in that fashion. Any advice about how to make these things a part of your musical dialogue? Well, uh, you know, that, that's, there, there, there are deeper layers to, to that question because everybody is a different person to some degree, how, how they learn and how they apply. So there's, there's no, no general rule. Like, let's look at the extreme. Um, Vinnie Caliuta, you get the, the notion that he's playing so much of what he does for the first time or the combinations of things for the first time because that guy is, you know, to me, really the only guy in the world that can just crap Mona Lisa's on command nonstop. Yeah. Uh, you know he's the he's the most gifted you know the most gifted drummer ever and and one of the most gifted musicians uh, who ever lived. Um, I could go on a whole ride about that, but um, to stay on point, um, and then there are those who need to map and work everything out entirely to a T before it's applied, and then there's all the rest of us that lie somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um. Where most people make a mistake with like a new, a new power, a new ability. Let's say you 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 finally learn something like the 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 blushta or the gablush. Um, you finally figure it out. Oh, that's what that is. And then you learn it sort of one way, and then you're on the gig, and then you try to apply it to a song, and maybe the song was a little faster or slower than you perceived it to be. And when you went to put in that lick, uh, essentially putting a square peg into a round hole, in many instances, uh, you screwed it up or you weren't really prepared to do it. And it sounded like someone threw your drum set down the stairwell. And then, you know, the two of the musicians turn back and, and look at you like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. At that so tempo, that, at the tempo that, of the song. I totally get it, that. Yeah, exactly. So, and then you, you go to start the lick that you only learned at one density and at one tempo. And you realize that the, the, the tempo of the song that you're playing is either faster or slower than that. And it takes you by supply, surprise mid lick. And it's like you're, you're, you're falling down the stairs and there's nothing you can do about it. Or if you come across a new tool or a new idea, you really take the time to start playing it at various tempos, at various dynamics, and with various orchestrations. Hmm. So you're not just playing like the gabluge between, you know, a rag tom and a snare. Oh, move it to the floor tom. You know, just do it on the toms. Uh, get the bass room involved and, and, and flam it off a cymbal. You know, like you really learn an idea what it can do, break down what each hand is doing your right hand and your left hand. No matter what you're playing, you're always playing a two-note melody. You've got a right hand and a left hand. 
And then if you internalize that, then you've given yourself the preparation and and the, the tools to be able to now musically apply that in different musical situations, different tempos, different dynamics. And um, chances are you will, that will change the perception of when it is correct, uh, useful, or tasteful to use the said lick that you just learned. And now you're in the realm of, of, of making music instead of just trying to jam a lick down someone's throat. Yeah. I think there's there's so many times I hear myself, it's like, man, I've just, I played that fill the, the last three songs. I mean, come on, there's got to be more that, and some days I feel inspired and I feel free, and other days I don't feel as free. I feel like I have to stay close to home. We all have that experience. You know, if if we all, if it was just... You know when you have a magic night and just like you could do no wrong and it's just you know like three pointers nothing but net yeah yeah if every t- if every time was like that that might get boring you kind of need <laughs> you, you kind of need the nights where you're like what the hell you know uh, so these are my sticks huh <laughs> these, so these are my puddles. these are the puddles I use all the time really you know you, you need those weird alternate universe nights that you just go well it, this is going to be what it's going to be and then that because that, that makes the sweet night sweeter, yeah, you know, and and the and the 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 middle of the road nights they're very middle of the road night. I mean, it's kind of you know variety is the spice of life. You know, if it was you know there there's always some sheer magic involved in just the act of we get to do this. But you know when when you get down to it and put it in, in your own personal microscope, if every night was like the sweetest friggin' night ever, that might get. Uh, <laughs> sort of dry and dull after a while. I like that. There's also, you know, people say uh, bad rehearsal, good show, you know, because I think when you when I have like maybe an off night, I know that the next night's going to be better. I just know it. You know, my ears are bigger. Um, I just, I'm just, I'm like, well, it's not going to get any worse than this. It's going to be, it's going to be great. And then, and it usually but, is. But you, you have to be careful of that thinking in a way too, because mm. that then, then you could draw that into reality the other way. Mm. Um, you know, like you could have two nights that are particularly magical. And then the night coming up, that's the night that you're, you know, you're playing Nashville and you got everyone from Pearl Drums coming out. And you're like, boy, what are the odds here? I've just had two magical nights in a row. You know, you you could actually bring into fruition a night sure. that you might not have the best night. Ugh. So I, I try to stay clear of that thinking and, and and look at each gig as it as its own individual entity, and then just simply try to play better tonight than I did last night. Yeah. And and that that's sort of the game because you can get caught up in superstitions or numbers or you know like I'm going to examine how many what my pattern is for you know and then then you're caught up in that game and you're not even thinking about the the, the music and, and you're predicting your your own um, your own magic and your own failures and and that is a level or, or like an, a road that I have no interest in going down. The uh, the mind is a uh, what uh, what was that movie where the guy said uh, a mind is a terrible thing. To yeah. taste. Right. <laughs> you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not. Um, gosh, I wish I could remember that movie. So um, one of the things I wanted to mention was uh, you, d- you had a great interview with uh, Nick Ruffini on Drummer's Resource. And Nick's a friend of ours. Um, we try and share our resources uh, for sure. But he had you on episode 220 
Uh, I encourage my listeners to go check that out. Um, well, that was a while ago now, wasn't it? I think so, maybe two years ago or so. Um, but he covers your history, uh, learning drums from your father, who was a drummer, uh, growing up in a house full of music and gear and just sounds and everything coming up, um, your time at uh, spending a year at Berkeley and uh, coming back to Chicago working on jingles and then uh, doing sessions uh, in Chicago. And then there was a, a Cartage guy that you worked with that uh, recommended you to Keith do Marks. To do the session with Sticks originally, uh, mm-hmm. which then uh, turned into, after some time, maybe about a year, to then join them for a, a four-month tour. And um, and then you guys get into just being prepared and uh, easy to get along with. So those are some things I didn't necessarily want to cover. I don't know if you want to speak to anything about that, about your history. Uh, well, you, well you, you just covered the first 27 years of my life. I feel like I said, Todd Zuckerman, this is your life. <laughs> and then. <laughs> well, I, I encourage, again, I encourage everyone to, to check out the episode 220 on Drummer's Resource. Uh, Nick does a great job, and um, you can kind of dive into that aspect of it. I did want to ask you about the time that you studied with Gary Chafee. Uh, he wasn't at Berkeley when you were there, but you took some time to study with him, and I, I was kind of wondering what that experience was like, and if there was anything significant about your approach that you can attribute to that that time that you spent with Gary. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's sort of a, to, to give you the setup. It's sort of a, a long story. I had I had planned to ring up Gary when I started Berkeley, and then the word was was like. Uh, Dude, there's like a six, eight month waiting list. You're you're never gonna get in. So I, I never I never called him. I was immediately defeated. I'm like, oh well, geez, I, like I didn't. I'm finding this out now. I'm I'm only gonna be here nine months, you know. Um, and then I happened to to meet a drummer named uh, Steve Michaud, who is from uh, New Hampshire, and he was just a guy in my harmony class. And one day the harmony teacher uh, uh, didn't show up. And we started talking. He liked all the same guys. We were talking about, you know, T- Tony and Vinny and Smith. And, and he mentioned that he'd studied with Gary Chafee all four years through high school. And I'm like, wow. Um, and uh, he suggested, hey, you know, let's, let's get a practice room together sometime. So, like, we we did either that night or the, the, the next night. And when we both started to play, I stopped, like, 60 90 seconds in it was like you don't know who michael jordan is and you're like hey i got a basketball court at my house why don't you come over <laughs> and then you throw him the ball and then you're like holy shit he's dunking from the free throw line it was immediately he was playing a bunch of stuff in in, in the line or, or in the vein of like when you see vinnie Callio to play stuff and you're like i don't know what any of that is i need to try to get in with gary if i can because what the stuff that he's just spewing out like that's exactly the stuff that i i want to learn so it was, <clears throat> I want to say it was pretty close to right before Christmas break. And I just picked up the phone. I'm like, oh, I'm going to call him. And I called him. And, uh, you know, Gary has a sort of a, a deep voice and he's kind of, kind of stoic, just, just like he's barely tolerating you a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, hello. And I, I explain, hi, you know, my name's Todd Zuckerman. Um, I, 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 I know you have a list, but it's really important that I, I, I get in 
and study with you. And he said, well, you know, there's a, there's a six-month waiting list. And I said, I know, Mr. Chafee. Look, I'm only going to be here for the next semester, and that's it. I'm going to be gone. You know, so it's only going to be January through May. And he kind of paused and sighed, and he goes, well, someone just canceled their slot Wednesdays at 3. Can you be here Wednesdays at 3? And without even looking at my schedule, you know, I think I blew off a class to, to go to go there. I said, yeah. yes. <laughs> and said, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, you're, I'll be back on January 8th. I'll see you January 8th, you know, at, at 3 o'clock. And then hung up the phone and, you know, had to call my mom for, for more money because, you, know, you know, my parents had split. Like there wasn't a great financial scene. Um, I had paid for a lot of my own year at Berkeley from the gigs that I had done through high school. And, um, and that, that was, that was that, but, you know, go, going to see Gary, I, I was very nervous. I remember that ringing his doorbell, I had to take two buses, um, out of the city, out to the, the suburbs where he lived, you know, ringing a doorbell, his wife answering, hi, I'm Todd, I'm three o'clock, you know, sure, go you know, downstairs. And, you know, he had a little waiting room down there and it was like this basement, you know, uh, uh, you know, wood paneled basement with a little coffee table and a couple couches and, and drum magazines and an ashtray, uh, uh, you know, sitting there. And through the the panel door into a partition in the basement, Gary was playing with another student. And then as soon as Gary started playing, I relaxed. I'm like, I'm here. I'm in the right place. I'm in the right hands. You yeah. know, like, like I'm not going to go in there and try to like impress Gary or kick his ass. This guy taught Vinnie Caliud and Steve Smith and more. Um, so, the, you know, the lessons with the fatback exercises, which are, is the most monumental thing that I think, in my opinion, anyone's ever devised for 20th century backbeat drumming. Um, the linear exercises, uh, the linear patterns for, for grooves and fills. And we, we went down the road of, of stickings and then uh, applied polyrhythms. But in that amount of time, you know, I, I could just scratch the surface on, on certain things. And a lot of Gary's books, like the Rhythm and Meter book, uh, and sticking, some of that's really, really hard that if you don't study with, with Gary or someone who studied with Gary, you kind of have no idea if you're, if you're doing it right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I will share one, one tactic that I, I try to employ with private students um, because it only works in, in, a, in a private setting, really. Uh, but when I went in for the first lesson, you know, you, any teacher, you, you got to see the student. You, you, they, the student has to play for the teacher, and the teacher has to evaluate you in his mind, have some idea of where you are, so there's some place where the teacher can start. So Gary said, uh, yeah, just, just warm up. I got to straighten up some things around here. So just, you know, whatever, go make yourself comfortable and just loosen up on the drums. And so I went and I just, you know, just kind of started, you know, tapping and then into full playing while Gary went around and, it, you know, it dawned on me later, he was needlessly shuffling papers and straightening up stuff on the shelf with his back to me. And that was his tactic to make me feel as comfortable as I can, that he wasn't just sitting there with an eagle eye going, okay, play for me, sonny boy, play for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, I thought that was a lovely tactic. And, you know, when I, when I played the, the, the gabluge or uh, bludged up, that was the one time he sort of turned around with a stoic face and just, you know, you could see, okay, he's, he's got that. Or he, he's at a certain level where he, that's in his vocabulary and then turned around and then 
that that was the little warm up period. So that's that's how he sized me up, kind of walking around his studio, shuffling papers and, and like putting books away. But I realized he was really doing nothing. He was just <laughs> trying to make me feel comfortable while yeah. sizing me up, so he he'd, he'd know where to begin. Yeah, that's nice. He had a chance to come to. I worked at Columbus Pro Percussion years ago, and he did a, a clinic there. And man, I, I still feel like I'm working out some stuff that he showed to us that day. It was such an amazing teacher. He he's so amazing. The stuff that he's come up with, and and I hope that uh, that any any student of Gary will will take this in the right way. But I, I'm I'm sort of appalled that more people don't know who he is and he's not as revered as he should be. And I find whenever I'm in like the, you know, masterclass situation, you know, I'll say, does anyone know who Gary Chafee is? You know, three people out of 20 or 25 will raise their hands and then someone will go the new breed guy. And I said, no, that's Gary Chester. And then the other two will, 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 you know, bring down their hands. So there's maybe only one guy or zero. Yeah. Yeah are familiar with Gary Chafee or they've heard of him, but they don't know anything about him. Um, you can see his fingerprints or thumbprint as it were on so many amazing drummers and so many amazing concepts um, that I, I, I hope that before he's off the planet that, that he gets some sort of, recognition or some sort of lifetime achievement award from Zildjian or something mm-hmm. to, to, to mark, uh, the indelible, uh, mark that he's, he's, he's left in, in, in the percussive world, but just an absolute singular genius in my opinion. That's awesome. That's awesome. Were there any other, I know your father was a drummer and showed you some stuff early on, but were there any other important teachers in your life and your development? I didn't really have teachers other than my father and then the, the school band experience um, and high school, you know, band experience and, until I got to Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my, my, my teachers were the music that I, I listened to, the players that I loved, uh, applying them on gigs because I was fortunate to grow up the youngest in the musical family. So I was gigging from the time I was six years old. So I, I, I could apply these things in real time in a real world situations. Um, you know, you could practice all this stuff in your basement, but if you're not out working it out with musicians, it, it doesn't matter. I, you know, you, you, you have, you have the ammo, but you don't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. So to, to, to be able to, work on ideas and then play music at the same time is that's the fast track to improving and getting better. Um, but yes, Skip Hayden was a very important teacher in my one year at Berkeley. Ian Froman was another incredibly important teacher and, uh, and then Gary. So I had these three incredibly different, not, not many strings that would hold them all together. Three, three different teachers with three different, ideas and uh and tools all coming at me yeah and then i had all the 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 teachers and and the drum labs and the this class and the that class and blah 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 so it was kind of like i always equate it to uh you're at a big giant buffet (laughs) uh, like like an excellent one 
uh, you know, not like a sad uh, off the strip hotel <laughs> Vegas buffet, but like a kick-ass buffet. And you're just walking around with a plate, and you're like, oh, okay, hey, pancakes and sushi uh, and crab legs <laughs> and uh, vegetarian lasagna, sure. And uh, and now you're walking around, and and you're the only guy that has these items on this plate in the whole joint. That's kind of what that was like for me, you know, having all these different kinds of teachers and all these different methods uh, coming at me, you know, that, that th- these are, are, are tools that will help you hopefully um, find your own voice and your own vocabulary and that, you know, and that will make you uniquely you. I think what what was so interesting to me in in doing so much research and and watching you for years uh, is you have such a teaching spirit. Like aside from the projects that you do and and working with sticks as well, it seems like everything else that you do is of an educational nature. And a lot of times people go into education because they have a teacher that inspired them. They wanted to be that way. And so I kind of wondered where that came from. It definitely comes from those three marvelous individuals I mentioned. It, it also comes from um, how important it was going to see drum clinics. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was fortunate I grew up in Chicago, so there was a lot of things happening. And, 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 and some of the drum clinics that I went to uh, left an indelible impression. And the, the, the ones that could teach better or explain things better connected with me better than just a guy who went up in, in blue chops and just said any questions. Um, and th- those were big moments in be, be formulating who I was to become on this instrument. And I, I never forgot that, that feeling and that, that, that feeling of when, when things connected, when I understood an, uh, an, an idea concepts. Um, so Education has always been very important to me. And, and again, because I was the youngest in a musical family and had two older brothers five or seven years older than I, you know, I was sucked into the junior high band from the time that I was in first grade. So mm-hmm. I was in the junior high band from, for, for eight years. <laughs> you know, what, what, a, what a great launching pad uh, to, to, to have going into high school where I was immediately put on, you know, snare drum, much to the chagrin of everyone else who was waiting in line you know, that were sophomores and, and, and juniors and seniors, uh, that who's this hotshot freshman that was, was put on the, the, the snare drum. Yeah. You know, so I, I had very much had a, a head start and I, I realized that. And that was, you know, one of the lucky cards that I was dealt in life. You know, we all are handed a, a series of cards when we're born. Some are good or some, and some are bad. And we hope that the good ones outweigh the, the bad words, the, the bad ones. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't recognize a good card. And we say no, and we pass on something, hoping for a better card, and that better card never comes along. Yeah, there's a lot of friggin' lessons, man. When when you're <laughs> when 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 you've chosen a life in the arts, um, you know, because you see a lot of friends that that they don't make it, and they could be the most ridiculously talented people in the world, but there's certain skill sets that they they've never were able to put together that keep them from ever attaining their dreams. My 14-year-old son is starting School of the Arts this year, and uh, he's been doing guitar for about a year, and he's been doing voice lessons for about five years. And I say, look, man, please take some time. If, if this isn't what you want to do for the rest of your life, I get it. That's fine. 
I said, but you have an opportunity. You are already way ahead of me compared to when I first got my first drum set. And you just have this natural gift and access to information. Um, I'm just trying to make him, without scaring him, you have an opportunity to develop something early in life. And this is when brain development and all this stuff is just on fire. So Mm -hmm. work hard now so you can really enjoy it. Yeah, because as you as you get older, you know, you got to tell them as you get older and you have responsibilities or, you know, a girlfriend or job, your free time trims down. Yes. You know, you start a family, you have a kid, like, you know, like <laughs> you, the, the moment you have a kid, like, what did I used to do with all my free time? Because <laughs> it's kind of over, you know. Um, but mm. I, 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 so, sorry, I just want to, I don't want to hijack the, what, no, what you're saying. No, that was but, it. That it, it, it um, the access of information is such a wonderful and dangerous thing at the same time I'm finding right now. Okay. Um, with the access of information, you could go on, on, on YouTube and it's almost too much information. You're looking for an, an idea, whether you're, um, you want to know what a disease is or you want to know how to do flam taps. There's so much information that it's hard to A, get the right information, B, focus um, and while we live in this amazing age where you could go, you know what, I'm not really hip to Tony Williams. And you can now go online and watch hours and hours and hours and hours of Tony Williams. Now, that's great because, sadly, Tony's no longer with us. So that is the only way to, to get that experience now. But for those of us that are still alive, for, for to anyone to, th- to think that they could know what – I'm about, or Steve Gadd is about, or any drummer, name any living drummer, by just going and watching some a, a YouTube clip or someone's you know shitty phone recording at a concert, and then they decide, and eh, I'm not going to go, or you know Todd Zuckerman yeah. Clinic, and then yeah. you know there's, and they go. Eh, I'm not going to go. And they stay home and they, they, they watch more video videos or play video games or watch Dancing with the Stars and Eat Doritos. And then they don't go out. You wonder why there's not more drum clinics going on? Well, that's why. There's less people that, that, that actually get their asses off their couch and into a car and into a building and interested to, to see it. Now, you know, I don't know what age, you know, era you grew up in, but when, when I, I grew up, you know, and there's drum clinics, most of them in Chicago, they had to rent out a ballroom of a hotel and yeah. there would be two to 500 people. And now if you hit a hundred people like that, that is a grand slam success for a drum clinic. That is a grand it's slam. Amazing. It's amazing. And it used to be like two to 500 people and it was an event, uh, it was a whole thing. It was, a, it was a, a, an event. So that's what is, is, is hurting that sort of thing. It's expensive to to put on, and it's, it's the 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 massive efforts of a lot of different people and companies and and emails back and forth forever and flights and hotels and people just think, oh, you just show up in a town and do it, like oh, we're going to rent out Old Man Johnson's barn and put on a show for the town. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Yeah, you know, people always say like, hey, why, why don't you why don't you come why don't you come to Orlando? Well, because there's no fucking drum shop in Orlando and Sam Ash isn't going to have put, put one on and I'm not going to do one in the corner of a Sam Ash store quite frankly when when it's like you know Larry line one Larry line one and then someone's playing eruption in the next room at a, at a <laughs> that's fucking bullshit yeah 
so yeah, that that's why it's it's another reason why it's it's not happening you know um so it, it's very frustrating and i'm i'm just a few years younger than you so i mean i grew up in that same thing i remember seeing steve smith at ohio state when I worked for Gary, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, when I worked for Jim Rupp up in Columbus, Ohio, we had the drum. Oh, yeah, yeah, you saw, you, you, saw a ton, you saw a ton with, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, just wonderful drum days events that happened every year that, you know, Jim's just not able to do anymore. Um, I mean, there's other reasons, and we get into it on the, uh, on the interview, uh, talking about that and how much uh, the community misses that, and he misses doing that. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, David Garibaldi's going to be in town next Wednesday, uh, doing something here at Forks. I'm excited to go see him. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it is so important, um, to have that. I might grab my students and, and, and stick them in my van and say, let's go. But you know, it, it's, it, you know, you, you live in Nashville, so like you have a much better chance of things happening than someone who lives in Chillicothe, Ohio, or, you know, Chanute, Kansas. Yeah. Well, Chillicothe, so, they've got the recording workshop, man. No. <laughs> I know. That's, that, that's, my, that's my reference to, to that. So, yeah. That's, that's why, I don't know why that popped in my mind. Ohio, Columbus, whatever, we were there, uh, uh, geographically in our conversation. Um, but, you know, that, that, that's all, you know... I, I kind of wonder why, like when you do a clinic in a smaller town location and, you know, you're lucky to get 40 or 60, 80 people, but, and, and I'm not saying like a small, like one horse town with a, with a main street, but you know, like a, a, a smaller city, what you would, you know, whatever it is. I don't want to call anybody out, but then I go, there's more drummers than this in this town. And it's a Tuesday night and they all ain't working that I know. <laughs> Why are they not out here? And I don't take it personally. Like it could be anyone. Like it could be me. It could be Garibaldi. It could be Jason Bittner. It could be anybody. Yeah. And I used to go see anybody that I could because I'm even if I wasn't aware of of, of someone or like or that's the guy who plays with so and so and I'm not really hip to that. I would go because I'm bound to learn something. Right. I'm bound to be entertained. But people can't get off their their fat asses. You know, because they got fifteen hundred channels of shit on the TV, and they have the computer, and they go, they can go online and go, oh yeah, and then they think they know what it's about. Well, let me tell you something. You know, you can't. You know, I remember seeing Genesis in nineteen eighty three. The way that made me feel, the way that made me break out into cold sweats and have an out of body experience, or any band that you love, it doesn't have to be Genesis particular, but. You cannot get that feeling, especially if you have not had that feeling prior, by watching it on your laptop. Right. You you can't, and you've missed out on a collective experience. You think you know what it's like to see the Who because you have all their DVDs? No. When you're standing in a room of fifteen thousand people and Townsend pulls out that windmill for the first time, and you feel the energy in the room, something happened. It's like the arena got just lifted like three inches off the floor, and and all your the the hairs on your arm stand up. 
that's the experience. That's the ride. You want you want to pay 150 bucks to go play golf? Good. You want to go pay 150 bucks to go in a theme park to go upside down on a roller coaster? Well, that's why tickets are 150 bucks too, because that gives you the same thrill that you'll never forget for the rest of your life when you see a band and like some magic shit happen. You go see Clapton, you can go like, okay. The first hour was was nothing, and then all of a sudden he hits the magic on a solo, and the whole room feels it. You go see Tony Bennett, and he hits a high note. You feel you share that with everybody. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. and and for 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 people that are just hell bent on and sitting on the couch and trying to experience that, you could you could watch documentary shows about Paris, man. But it ain't nothing like walking around Paris with a, with, a, with a friggin'. Uh, you know, a, a, a coffee to go in your hand. You know, people need to get out and have that life experience. We die at the end of this, people. We die. Not to be a bummer. We die <laughs> at the end of this. And are you going to say, I'll always remember that clip of Jack D's you're not playing on YouTube? Or will you say, I'll always remember putting on nice clothes and going to a cool jazz room and seeing Jack DeJunet play. Yeah. What's what what's the difference? That is a friggin' universe of difference between those two experiences. Yeah. And it just needs to happen once. You like That's you were it. saying, you, you to get that feeling. Okay, you want to recreate that, you've got to go. I think the most honest hug that I got from my teenage son is when I took him to see Roger Waters. And during intermission, he turned to me and said, thanks, Dad, because it was uh, just so freaking amazing. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, because that, that was that was an, an explosive from the heart moment yeah. that, that he was experiencing. He was overwhelmed, and, and that is how he showed his true emotion to you. Yeah. I was like, who is this? <laughs> Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> questions about sticks here is there anything about working with them that has offered you any unique perspective about the music industry maybe something that you carry with you in other areas of business um boy it, I'm, I'm sure i'm going to think of a lot of great examples later on when I, you know is the, the question had had time to ruminate but of course it would be too late by then um i think it has to do more with your character Mm. Um, because when I, I got into the band, um, I was just turned 27. Wow. And, you know, like we did, we did the rehearsal. I was, I was 26 and I didn't know how they were going to be as people. And quickly I found that they were all, uh, of high intellect, of quick wit, um, of very largely doing the right and kind thing. And I, you know, if, if I got into a band where guys were, you know, getting fucked up and doing drugs and, and, and throwing TV sets out the window, I could have easily been like, well, that looks like fun. I guess, you know, <laughs> I, I want to have some of this. Um, but, you know, 
they they weren't. They were all like good, uh, you know, people and um, true to their wives, and 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 and, and things of that of that nature that I think set me on on a, on a course that um, although I've been known to enjoy a cocktail here and then. Uh, you know, I, I've never let anything get out of hand or been a problem or like, man, I really screwed something up by being like a dum-dum. Um, I think that's something that, that I, I, I will carry with me for, for the rest of my days because that, that, that set me on that course very early on to, to realize this is how you, you, you take care of business and this yes. is how you, yeah. how, how you conduct yourself and this is how you know, you don't have, you know, four wives that you bought four houses for, you know, this is, this is how to, this is how to do it. That's amazing. Bands that you tour with, you spend so much time with, they could be such an influence on you, good and bad. Oh my goodness. There's so many bands that, you know, I go there, there for the grace of God, go I, (laughs) you know, I I, I, I love you. Wouldn't want to be you. (laughs) When I saw Rush back in 87, 88, I believe, Tommy Shaw was the opening. It was the first time I'd seen Rush, and Tommy Shaw was the opening act. And uh, and then I think maybe two years ago, I ran into him at the uh, in baggage claim here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And uh, the singer I was with instantly recognized him. And, and, you know, as a lead singer does, he walked right up to him and said, hey, Tommy, hey, man, good to see you. And Tommy was very sweet, very kind and generous with his time. Uh, well, the, the few minutes that we, we took of his time without being too too much, you know, but uh, he was very sweet. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a natural person and he's a natural uh, gifted artist. You know, it just, it, it, it comes very naturally to him and and uh he's just he has a charisma just standing there doing nothing and he's, he has a charisma sitting outside in starbucks even if you didn't know who he was he'd walk by he could be wearing a t-shirt and a pair of shorts he'd be like that guy's somebody <laughs> you know he, he, he you know he just has this this thing that you know you know he shines like the sun that's awesome you know? that's awesome yeah. uh, and this might be related to the first question i had but was, was there an adjustment period uh with the band members when you first joined just the difference in experience and age and not difference as far as amount of experience, but just different kind of experience. You, I feel like you come from a, just a more uh, educated, um, you know, play with different people. And, and, uh, and these guys, I mean, are they, they were in a band, they had the band experience. Yeah. I think that, um, well, you know, like I, I, I remember Chuck asking me, you know, is everything feeling okay? And I said, oh, yeah, everything feels great. And he goes, well, you know, let, let me know if, you know, I, I need to do anything or we need to work on something together because you're the second drummer I've ever played with. Wow. So that was, you know, like, wow, yeah, he, he grew up. We went from his basement to, you know, the L.A. Forum with his brother. And, you know, and, and, and Chuck has other interests of you know, painting and stuff like that. So he's not like the... Um, I'm working on my craft because I'm I'm trying to learn you know what Chaco Pastorius did. He he just he did what he did to get the the, the job done, and he had a, other interests. And you know, it was not a go sit in with guys at clubs guy, but that you know. So talk about varied backgrounds. You know, I played with you know the thousands of bass players. Right, um, right. But you know, at the end of the day, really is oh, I hate that expression. 
Um, <laughs> uh, there was a job to be done, and the, the, the job was to play this music uh, well and 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 to to make it as, as as great as we can. So that was the job. When when you when you have more than two or three people all agreeing on something, and then you you have you stand a, a fighting chance to to get where you want to go. So that was really the thing. Um, I know it's kind of a lame answer to your question, but no. that's, that, that's, the, that's the only thing that I could really cite that kind of made me go, wow, I'm the second drummer he's ever played with. No, I think that's that's exactly kind of what I was I was wondering about. So the, the, the last couple of weeks, I've been listening a lot to uh, you guys live at the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas in 2015, and it's it's been a joy, man. I just I just love it. I've been wearing it out. Oh, thanks. It sounds man. so good. Uh, on the the 2017 record, the mission was there a process to w- recording this? To w- what was the way? Is there a process that sticks goes through when they re- work on a record and and record? No, because it's been different for every record okay. that I've done. Like w- wildly different between every record. Interesting. So with with the mission, the the mission is sort of really the only one where the 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 demos were pretty fully formed and then I could listen to them and go, okay, what, what will work here? Clearly I, you know, I'd like to think that I could play better than a drum machine, but um, a lot of times they got the, this is sort of the right idea. So for, for the mission, what we did was um, I had the, the luxury of going in to Tommy's home studio and l- playing drums over the demos and then discussing certain aspects of like, this is good or this, I, I want to change this or like what this could be cooler here, blah, blah, blah. And then I was able to take those recordings home for about two weeks, listen to them and just scan them in my head, like every bar, like, and go, yes, yes, no, yes, 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 meh, something like that. Yes, yes, was, we need something cooler here. Yes, yes, don't do that. <laughs> so when it was time to go in and, and record, you know, at Blackbird, which, you know, I, I don't even know how expensive that was every day. And it was just me. Oh, here in Nashville? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Wow. And uh, I, I did the entire record in two days. I'm like, I was prepared and let's go. Let's let's keep going. Like, you know, let's, you know, I, I don't need a 90 minute dinner. Just order some shit in. Let's, let's eat and let's get back to work. And let, let's not, you know, I have no idea. Again, I have no idea how much money it is to rent that place out. But like, let, let's go. I'm, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did 17 tracks and there's like two things that like didn't even make the record, I think, uh, that I did in, uh, in two days and then flew home. And That's amazing. Good luck with the rest of the record. <laughs> <laughs> My job here is done. <laughs> See you, boys. It, when, when playing some of the, the older songs, I, I, I know, I imagine you started with some of the original parts, but did it take very long before you started to kind of implement your own style and your own approach did the band encourage you to do so? Was it uh, kind of unspoken, or what was the what was your approach there? It, it was really largely unspoken. I mean, I, I've always been. If there's time to prepare, I'm I'm always wildly prepared. Yeah. Um, and I had time to be wildly prepared. You know, by months. So, but before the first rehearsal. Uh, so I was, I was ready to go. I, I had all the records. I knew all the tunes. And so it was, I was kind of, I had a pretty clear idea of at least how I was then at at 26 wanted to approach the material. Uh, it's gone through a, um, 
a, 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 a bit of a um, evolution over the years, and I'd, I'd like to think that I'm, I'm playing things better uh, than I ever have. That's the that's the idea. That's the hope, anyway. Yeah. And I was kind of ready from the get go. And, and well, a funny little anecdote is the, those guys forgot how they ended some of the songs and I <laughs> I either remembered or knew from the live record and then when they'd look at each other like well how do we end this and I'd be I'd kind of pause and thinking really you don't know how and then I'd say oh well you guys would do this and so I was teaching them their live ending and then that that became the joke whenever anyone didn't know something it was ask the kid you know he, he knows he knows everything so that you, that, that yeah we, so we were sort of off to the races on on, on that on that footing, really. And you do it with grace and humility, and you say, yes. guys, please, come on. You don't know this? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah well, what the, hell, what the hell is the matter with you? <laughs> Great way to start. Well, yeah. I, from what I understand, I mean, the first session that you did with them, um, it, you know, you, you threw in you threw in a lick, and you could see the reaction, and everybody's like, oh, that's so awesome, that's great. And you're like, oh, hey, we're getting a rise out of this. This is, this is cool. They're digging what I'm what I'm putting down. And I imagine that kind of established a bit of a rapport and uh, maybe some confidence. Uh, you felt some confidence like, you know what? These guys trust me. They're digging what I'm doing. There's a reason why they called me. Um, so no, I, the, the, there, there was no, you know, this, this isn't to sound arrogant because there's no arrogance. I was confident and excited yeah, there's a, there's a, a very different outlook. Now, I'm I even today I never think, oh, I've got this about anything because the universe will show you very swiftly and very handily that you don't have it. Um, so whenever I if I've said yes to something, it's all hands on deck. Like like I'm never phoning it in. It's it takes all my attention because, like I said. The moment you think, oh, I can, I, you know, I can totally do this. And by the way, side note, that's one thing that drives me bonkers about some musicians. When they say yes to a gig, this has nothing to do with sticks, by the way. This is outside projects. When they say yes to a gig and they don't really prepare. Right. I've prepared, but they're, somewhere in their mind is, I'm great. This isn't you know, rocket science. I'll, I'll figure it out. And we'll get through it. I don't want to get through anything. I've played weddings that I could get through, mm-hmm. but if 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 I'm playing some serious music, I, like like dude, I fucking put in my time here, and I expect you to do the same. And the fact that you didn't shows that you disrespect what we're doing, and you disrespected my time because I'm prepared, and now I'm telling you how shit goes when you should know it already. Yeah. And then, but they're great, and they get through it, and they do it. And it's fine. But you know what? It could have been better. It could have been more fun. It could have been easier with a little bit more laughter and less work because you waited until you got on the bandstand to put in the work. That drives me crazy. And I'll never hire a guy that that, that I had that experience with. It doesn't matter how great they are. Oh, um, I know. Some people, they rely on them. Just, just They've had good experiences or people think that they're great. And so they just rely on that as opposed to preparation. And then you, the one who's prepared, have to cue them on stops and endings and things like that. Come on, man. Yes. 
And and because they are great, they they got through the gig. But boy, it could have been a better experience for for that person, for me, for all of us. Yeah. So that that's what drives me. Out. And then they will invariably screw something up in, in my heart. And but I I kind of get it, man. Like Buddy Rich yelling at people in the bandstand. I kind of get it. <laughs> I, I I I don't do it, but I, I can say I, I understand it. Yeah. I, I, you know, kind of related to that. One thing that I've learned is I'm, I'm the same way. My wife can tell you, man. When I get ready for, a, when I say yes to a gig, I am all in. I'm writing charts. Yeah. I'm learning. I'm doing all those things, and then I get to the gig, and maybe the gig isn't what I expected, and I'm like, okay, if the person calls me again, I don't think I want to do this. But if I have a moment of weakness or maybe a really open week and I really need the work, I say yes, even if I don't want to do the gig, I have told them yes, which means that it means I'm all in. Yes. And, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a commitment. On, on, on so, it's a sacred commitment if, if you really look at it that way. Yeah. If, I, if, if I'm not going to commit myself, say no. But the instant you say yes to a gig, you need to be all in or just – just don't do it. It's just it's a fucking waste of time. Just jumping back to the the, the thing with sticks and 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 uh, and the new record. I mean, I love that. Just just kind of the story just behind the development uh, of the record and and that that approach and stuff. That that's really great. Um, are, are, do you guys use a, a click at all or any references, tempo references? When you're just, just on just on the stuff from the mission, we we, we never have for you know twenty years in this band. You know, um, did you but, at all and, early on or no, no, never, 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 wow. never, we never did. And, uh, I, I wanted the stuff from the mission to be clicked because there's a lot of mid tempo stuff and I wanted it to sound a, a particular way. So it, it took some convincing and, you know, I've never had an issue playing with, with a, with a, a click. I, I quite enjoy it. I quite enjoy playing without a click. Um, but so that always makes the songs from the mission sort of kind of fun and interesting yeah. uh, to me because it's an experience with these guys that you know I never had for for twenty years. So it it, it brings like this extra sparkle of, of freshness of or newness uh, to it when, when we play songs from from the mission. And we, we, earlier in January we did a special show in Vegas where we played the mission in its entirety from top to bottom. And we're doing uh, in November. We're doing two shows in uh, Long Island, New York, and Boston, where we're playing the Mission in its entirety. So, that's, uh, I'd love to see that. I I really enjoy that record, man. There's there's a lot of strong melodies going on. The mid tempo stuff is beautiful. Thanks. I hear I hear vocal elements of like yes and certain Genesis things. I mean, I hear mm-hmm. like different things come out. I'm like, man, this reminds me of blah 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 and this and. It's just been a really it's it's a beautiful record, man. It really, Thank is, you, man. yeah, really great. And then there's definitely some uh, uh, drum stuff going on um, on the tops and tails of stuff that's exciting to listen to. But again, I enjoyed it. Um, one last question for for you uh, before we go. Um, so I know that aside from your wife and your daughter, is there anything outside of music or drumming? that kind of piques your interest or a pursuit that that you that helps create balance in your life i think it's the simple art of trying to create the balance is the, is the the thing that is <laughs> that like the strive to do that because if i didn't do that um 
you know, like I, I, I don't have like, you know, a Lionel train collection or something like that, 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 that kind of piques my, my interest. I mean, I, I, I like, uh, I'm kind of fascinated with watches a bit and the, the, the mechanics of, you know, automatic watches. Um, I love puppies and long walks on the beach and, and movies. <laughs> it, you know, it, it, it just kind of being home is and doing anything. Um, I, I you know, like taking vacations and I'm planning a couple of little day trips around Texas. Um, you know, now that my daughter's starting school, so um, little outings and things like that. Uh, I, 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 I I I tend to enjoy um, and just trying to give my daughter some experiences that are beyond well dad's home and now here's this guy (laughs) (laughs) hi you know i'm now i'm sitting across from you at the table where you've been looking at an empty chair for the last three weeks um you know uh but the, the, the 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 i'm glad that i'm busy enough with music that there's always another project or recording session or something that i've said yes to that's around the bend so i'm always kind of constantly preparing for things um, you know, people ask me, what am I practicing right now? And I go, well, not much. I'm, I'm practicing for, you know, three songs on some, you know, uh, a, a German progressive rock record that I said yes to do. And one of the songs is nine minutes long and it's all over the place. So I'm kind of, <laughs> that's taking up my time, you know, in my, my, what are you listening to right now? What, what, well, I'm listening to that because I'm in the shower and I'm listening to that because that's the only time I can listen to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's, it's, uh, it, it seems like the older I, I get, um, you know, the, the, the days are, are going by so much faster and there's less hours in a day. Uh, it seems, um, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, so that, that's, that's the balance of juggling all these things that I, I, I said yes to, uh, and waking up and, and seeing what life has, has put in my plate or in store or where I am or how much sleep I've gotten, what the job is and, and, and trying to, connect with my wife and daughter and remind them that they still have uh, a husband and a father. That's, that's what's keeping me busy right now. Yeah. Well, when your kid starts calling you uncle dad, that's when you're in trouble. <laughs> Jeez. I, I hope that never happens. Although I will, I, I'll, I'll share this story with you. Um, I always dreaded, you know, thinking that there's going to come a time where I'm going to leave to go on the road and my daughter's going to cry and, you know, daddy, please don't leave. And, you know, and then I'm going to start crying and I'm going to think I got to quit my job and get a new profession because I, I can't possibly bear this. I always dreaded when that day would, would invariably come. Well, it came, but in a form that I did not expect it to. <laughs> I, I think my daughter at age five is going to clearly be a cast member on Saturday night live. Oh no. Um, because out of nowhere, she turned into Scarlett O'Hara of which she has no reference for. Uh, and, and, and was saying, Oh daddy, daddy, please don't leave. Oh, oh daddy, I'm afraid you're going to be gone forever. And then she's trying not to laugh as she's hugging me and saying this. I'm laughing. My wife is pulling out the kid. I can't you know, iPhone to, to film this. And I'm just thinking, boy, is this not the way I thought it was going to go down? Yeah, I that's that's awesome. <laughs> oh, it's tough, man. It's tough, but that time at home, it it's it's beautiful, man. I, I'm I'm happy for you um, that you're going to have this time off, and and uh, I wish you all the best and enjoy your time. 
And man, well, Matt, well, it was a pleasure, dude. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's it has been, and thanks for uh, carving out a little bit of time on the road. And have a great last show on this run. And um, I hope to get to see you really quickly. Since, yeah. since it's the working musician, now I get into the shower, clean myself, pick out some clothes, <laughs> get on a tour bus, and drive fifty miles to the gig play in uh, what I can only imagine is a, a baking uh, environment. Um, let's see. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it's going to be 90 degrees. Play outside, come back to this uh, uh, airport hotel, take a shower, get about mm, two and a half hours of sleep, yeah. uh, wake up, get in the hotel shuttle with all my stuff where I've been gone for 23 days, and get on a, two air, airplane rides home that I only hope are running on time and that there's no broken planes and I get to go home and uh and, and hug my girls. That's yeah. That and that's that's my working drummer life at this exact moment. I mean well I thought we were we got into this so we could stay out all night and sleep all day. It just it doesn't happen that way. It's crazy. Nope. Nope. No. Um but I, I am gonna throw my T V set out the window though. Oh good. good. I I've been, I've been drinking I've been day drinking the whole time here. <laughs> you would have never known man you're a pro, you're a true pro. <laughs> You're a true pro. Damn right. <laughs> Todd, it's been a, a super pleasure. We all thank you for your time and your your input and your continued work. So we appreciate it so much. Keep in touch with us and uh, hope to meet you in person at, at some point and, and see you play. I hope so too, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Uh, you have a great rest of your uh, weekend, man. All right. You too. Talk to all you right. soon. Thanks, Todd. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. So there you go. There's my interview with Todd Zuckerman. Many thanks to Todd for squeezing us into his crazy schedule and for being so willing to share his time graciously. As I mentioned uh, early in the interview, it was a challenge to prepare for uh, talking to Todd, but I thoroughly enjoyed the process. And I have become a card-carrying fan of Todd and his playing, to say the least. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Brendan Buckley. Just as a reminder, we are slowly including our archive catalog on YouTube, if that is your choice of listening to podcasts. But if you're on iTunes, please uh, subscribe, add some comments and rating. That really helps us grow. But again, thanks so much for listening and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.